It's time for the spring sales event at the DGDG Mazda stores. Capital Mazda, Stevens Creek Mazda, Concord Mazda, and Team Mazda. Hey, it's Shondell Grand. And right now we've got a huge selection of brand new Mazdas with exciting spring incentives across our entire lineup. Plus, you can buy your new Mazda completely online with our exclusive no-brainer checkout. Don't miss the spring sales event at the DGDG Mazda stores in San Jose, Concord, and Vallejo. Listening to the San Jose Sharks Morning Tide, brought to you by Coors Light. Logan Couture wins it in overtime. Now, now, here's your host, Ted Ramey. Claire moving around the D, trying to get the puck with a minute left in overtime, couldn't quite get it. Troy Terry does for Anaheim. Duclair giving chase, not enough. Terry, two on one, feeding in front. Petrano shoots and scores! Anthony Duclair lost his man on the right wing side. A two on one developed, and Frank Petrano, who's on his way to the All Star game, gives the Ducks a 3 2 overtime win with 52.3 seconds left on the clock. What a disappointment for San Jose. Yeah, I mean, we battled. I mean, you know, you're going back to back, you lose Barbie uh, halfway through the game, and. You know, they put on a pretty good push there in the third period, give them a lot of credit, and we almost got out of it, you know, so, but uh, can't question our compete. All right, good morning, everyone. How are we all doing? It is February 1st. The All-Star break is underway for the San Jose Sharks. They do not have action again until the middle of February, so it's going to be a bit before we get to see Sharks hockey. Unfortunately, the Sharks are back at it at the 14th Winnipeg, 15th Calgary, and then back home on the 17th, hosting the Columbus Blue Jackets at 7.30 from SAP Center. So that's when we will see you again and have a raucous time at the tank. We were rocking last night at the Plex. I got to go to the watch party. That was my first time going to one of those for the San Jose Sharks. I thought it was uh, a great time out there. That venue, the Plex, is uh, is an amazing facility. I immediately want to go back and take my kids. You got the indoor soccer, the roller hockey, uh, just all sorts of stuff going on there. So that was a really cool venue and had a really good turnout. People were excited. Uh, lots of good prize giveaways, all sorts of stuff going down throughout the evening. So if you have not been to the Plex, I highly recommend you do so. And if you've not been to the Sharks um, watch parties, I highly recommend you do so because people seem to be having a really good time. I think the next one is going to be uh, on the 15th in Sunnyvale at Laughing Monks Brewery. Uh, so yeah, I think that's going to be a fun event. I'm going to try and see what I can do to get out to that one. But overall, this is, uh, it's a fun event, something you want to get into, but the sharks gave us a pretty entertaining game last night. It looked like they were going to win. They were just over a minute away from getting that win in regulation. And then they were, uh, about a minute left in the overtime period when they gave up the game winner all in all for it being the second night of a back-to-back I can't be too upset with the Sharks taking a point on the road. I would have loved for them to hold on and get the win and go into the break at 6-3-1. and one. But at the same time, I also acknowledge reality. Hard to win on the second night of a back-to-back, especially when you're on the road, even if it is against a team like Anaheim. The San Jose Sharks right now, 5-3-2 in their last 10 games. That is very respectable. It's better than Anaheim. It is better than Calgary. It's better than Seattle. It is better than L.A. We all know it's not better than what Edmonton's done because they are won 16 games in a row. They have a chance to tie the overall record. 
Um, so, you know, you're better than the Ducks, Flames, Kraken, and Kings in your division. Um, you look at the Blackhawks, it's better than them, better than the Wild, better than the Coyotes, better than Nashville. You go into the Eastern Conference, better than Columbus, better than Washington, better than the Devils, better than the Penguins, better than the Islanders, better than the Flyers, better than the Rangers. It's also better than Montreal. So there are a significant number of teams in the NHL right now that over the last 10 games, the Sharks have been better than by their record. And by the way, the uh, the Atlantic is on fire right now. Boston, 7-1-2. Florida, 6-2-2. Tampa, 8-2-0. Toronto, 5-4-1. Detroit, 6-2-2. Buffalo, 6-4-0. And uh, Ottawa, 6-2-2. So uh, yeah, this is the time of the year where things get real. Teams are trying to make their push into the wild card race or within their respective divisions. If we look at the wild card in the East right now, uh, Toronto in the top spot, followed by Detroit, six points back of them. You've got the Islanders, um, seven points back, Pittsburgh and the Devils and the Caps. Then you get back into the Sabres, Canadians, Senators, and Columbus. And then you get into the West at the top of the list. You've got L.A. and St. Louis, then Nashville, then Seattle, Arizona, Calgary, Minnesota, Anaheim, the Sharks, and Chicago when all is said and done. So, yeah, it's getting to be that time of year. We are going to be talking about trade deadline talk more and more as we get deeper into the month of February and closer to the uh, trade deadline on the 8th of March. And I think you're probably going to hear some more names of certain Sharks start popping up. Um, But, you know, the Sharks overall needed this break a lot because they had been getting beat up. Last night you saw Fabian Zetterlin get knocked around on a couple of plays. Obviously, Alexander Barabanov took a hit, and he had to get out of that one. And, you know, they don't think it's a serious injury, but still not good. You're missing Mario Ferraro. Uh, Tomas Hurdle was out for this game, but he's expected to play uh, or be a part of the All-Star festivities coming up in Toronto. Um, you still without Mikhail Granlund. I mean, you just go down the list, you know. Ty Emerson, you know, it's just, it seems like it's unending for San Jose and that's the way it's been all year. You you would love to get Mikhail Granlin and Mario Ferraro back out there as soon as possible, just to have more and more of that top end talent. I assume that, you know, a guy like Barbie isn't going to be out uh, when they do come back from the break, but you know, I think ultimately the sharks going into the break on a positive note, still earning a point, getting three out of four points on their final two games uh, going into the break. It's a very positive note. I, I really think that that's something that they should be able to hang their hat on, you know, because prior to this, it was the 12-game losing streak, and it was not a lot of good times for the San Jose Sharks. And since then, um, you know, you've had the return of Logan Couture and Nico Sturm. You can't overstate that in the slightest. It has allowed the Sharks to become that much better of a team And I think that that's something that they want to continue to do when they get back. Now, you can also make the argument that you don't want the Sharks winning many games. You want to have as many balls in the hopper as possible, of which I do not disagree. But at the same time, I think that the hard work that the Sharks have put in over the course of the season needs to be rewarded. That is my ultimate takeaway when we're talking about teams like the Sharks that are in a bad way, who are not going to be part of the playoffs They need to be reminded what exactly they're fighting for, and that is just the chance to win in the NHL. And it's hard when you've got so many of your top players getting banged up all the time, when you've got so many of your top players that have been missing time throughout the season, when you have been getting your heart broken in in various ways. And, you know, we will talk about it, or you'll hear it in the uh, second part of the show today when David Quinn talks about what he's seen in the first uh, 51 games of the year. But, you know, the the game's almost become a secondary to what the team has been through 
over the course of the season because we go back to October and November and the San Jose Sharks were losers in their first 11 games. Granted, the second one of the season uh, was in a shootout, so they were 0-10-1, but you know, that was a brutal way to start the season and the high-quality teams they were facing, Vegas and Colorado and uh, you know the Hurricanes and Boston and and they saw Nashville and Florida and Tampa and Carolina and Washington again. And yeah, Washington isn't what we thought they would be maybe at the start of the year. But, you know, then it got a little bit worse with those first two games in November, losing 10-1 and 10-2 to Vancouver and Pittsburgh. And then they finally got their first win, taking down uh, the Flyers. Then they went up and played a good game, in my opinion, against the Oilers and got the win. Uh, could not get it done in Vegas, but then they... You know, just overall started looking better. And, you know, you get into November and the month of December, things are going pretty well. And you've got the 3 2 and 1 road trip. And you come back and you get the win against Winnipeg. You're 4 2 and 1. That's when things went downhill. They lost 1 0 to Arizona. And it just went downhill from there. From, you know, you didn't get a win from the 12th of December until the 11th of January when you got that win over Montreal. That's a month essentially of losing hockey and that takes its toll on the team but since that point the Sharks have backed back and battled back and they've played some decent hockey and obviously it coincides with the return of Logan Couture they get the win against the Ducks they beat the Kings in a shootout they beat the Rangers in overtime um, they get the win against Seattle they lost last night in overtime they're getting points in six out of seven games I mean this is this is not terrible hockey by any means. It's not getting beaten 7-1 or 10-1 or 10-2. This is a competitive team now, and I expect it to be more and more competitive uh, once the Sharks get back from the All-Star break and you know have more health on their side. I think that for Logan Couture, they are you know probably very, very glad, A, that he was able to return considering he was fearful that he would not be able to continue his professional career, but he gets back out there, he gets some games under his belt, and now he gets the break to rest and relax and let his body recharge. And I think that obviously he's going to be you know, working hard to stay in shape and not have anything uh, go awry and not want to take much time off because he's trying to come back from injury. But you know, I do think that when the Sharks come back, they have a really good opportunity to just continue playing decent hockey. And I think that they're not going to be a great team. I'm not trying to you know, be delusional in any capacity, but they... They have the ability to be a decent hockey team and fight hard and give themselves a chance to win every night. You know, if they tighten down, if they only give up two, three goals per game, they give themselves a chance. This is not going to be a team that scores five and six goals a game. They've got to keep it tight. They've got to keep it close to give themselves a chance to win. I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing either because in the future, you want them to be a team that remains tight defensively and gives themselves an opportunity to win and gives themselves an opportunity to you know play that type of hockey that makes life difficult on your opposition because when you do have the talent, when you do have the higher level players, it's going to make things that much easier to learn how to win as you're making that next step in your franchise's timeline. But more than anything for this team right now, I think the break represents a well-earned psychological break because they have been through all of it this year. They have experienced crushing losses. They have experienced blowout losses. They have experienced, you know, people around the league talking about them like they're one of the worst all-time teams. They are not, in my opinion. They are a team that has suffered due to injury. They are at a point in their franchise's timeline where they are rebuilding. And when you combine injury with a rebuild, the results are going to be, well, as negative as we have seen at certain points of the year, like 10 and 12 game losing streaks that have put the Sharks 
in um, excuse me, eleven and twelve game losing streaks, which have put the Sharks, uh, you know, with a bit of a of a bullseye. People have viewed them as a soft target. They've looked as a team that you get right against, and I think that takes a toll over time. Nobody wants to be the team that other teams look at is where they're going to get their wins and where they are going to get rolling. And I think the Sharks, you know, have handled it pretty well up to this point of the year, but I don't think that's a place that any professional wants to be. They want to be the team that's hard to win against. They want to be the guys that are, you know, competing for the playoff spot, not just competing to help the team get a better draft pick in the future. It's it's hard to be a part of a team when everybody knows it's not about the here and now. It's about what happens um, years down the line. And I think that if you look at what's happened up to this point to the break, you can look at the evolution of Fabian Zetterlin turning into one of those guys who could be a middle three forward and be very, very productive. I think that his evolution throughout the season has been very, very good to see. Um, you look at you know Mackenzie Blackwood and Capo Kakinen, both those guys have played very, very high-level hockey all year long. Their net minding has been absolutely phenomenal. They give the Sharks a chance to win game in, game out. Sure, there are games where they've been less than perfect, but I have rarely walked away from a game this year thinking that you know, one guy or the other guy was the problem, was the issue, why they weren't winning. No, it's rarely been a game where you've said, well, that's, you know, that's on the goalie. I think there were times before where you definitely would have said that years past, but it's not been the case this year. Those two guys just being very, very good, I think is A, given the Sharks trade leverage as we go towards the All-Star break, as much as I would love to see both of them stay here uh, for a longer period of time, because I think they're two good dudes. They get along and they play a, a very, very good style of uh, of tandem netminding. But you also have to acknowledge that there are realities and there are things that you're trying to build for. But, you know, the goaltending's been good. You've watched William Eklund get more and more time out there on the ice and just look like a, a player in the NHL. And obviously this is his first full season in the league. So, you know, I, I think that watching his development is very, very important. And uh, some people have been impatient with him, but I'm like, okay, guys, this is not a great team. This is not a great year. Let's see what he can do to develop his game. And then when there is more talent around him, I would imagine we'll watch his game take another step in the right direction. And it continues to take steps in the right direction as we get deeper and deeper into this year. When we had you know, Logan Couture joining the Sharks. He was surrounded by talent. When you had Timo Meyer joining the Sharks, he was surrounded by talent. When you had Tomas Hurdle joining the Sharks, he was surrounded by talent. These were young players who came into very good situations. It's not like that right now for William Eklund. He is in a much different spot. He is in a much different situation. And I think that you've got to look at it as such and, you know, judge it on that type of a scale. Um, but those are just some of the bright spots that we've seen this year. Um, you know, obviously, Mikhail Granlin, before he got injured, was playing very, very good hockey. Unfortunately, he went down, but you know, he was playing about as good as he has at any point in his career. And, you know, in my conversations with him, he thought he was maybe playing the best hockey of his career, which I think is something that you definitely want to hear. And you saw Mario Ferraro before his injury, you know, just looking like a, an absolute beast out there in defense. He was blocking shots. He was disruptive. Everything we've been able to watch from him this year has been a, a plus plus. Uh, situation. We've got to watch Shakir Mukmadulin make his NHL debut in these last three games. I thought he's looked like a player for the future. And again, there's that word future. We always talk about what's happening later with San Jose at this point in time. We don't talk about the here and now because the here and now is development for the future. And right now it's not, it's not about what they can do in these individual games to get themselves a better seating or something like that. It's about trying to get through this season, develop players, and give yourselves a chance to get a good draft pick and teach a lot of these young guys how to play together so that they can be, you know, part of the future of this franchise. So it's been a tough 51 games. It's a well-earned all-star break. 
I hope that Tomas Hurdle is 100% healthy and ready to go and give everybody a good show at the All-Star Game. And I hope that we are excited for what the Sharks have on the other side of the break as well. Speaking of breaks, we are going to take a break. But on the other side, we are going to get into some post-game reaction. You're on Morning Tide on the Sharks Audio Network. That to-do list you have needs one more thing. Chill. It's an easy thing to do. Just crack open an ice-cold Coors Light and chill. Take the afternoon off and binge watch anything. Go to happy hour and stay for a couple hours. Who's counting anyways? Or hang out with just your dog because you've had enough human interaction this week. Whatever you do, do it with a Coors Light. Mountain cold refreshment made to chill. 2020 Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Celebrate responsibly. Welcome back to Morning Tide, brought to you by Coors Light. Anaheim has got to pull out all the stops here. Leo Carlson gets the pass from Gudis. Skates up for that. Feeds on the right. Here's Terry moving in, throwing it across the rink. It's onside as Zellweger just barely kept that in. Remember that. Here's Fowler shooting it. It's blocked in front. A loose puck for Henry. They score. Troy Terry gets the rebound in the left circle. No chance for Kakinen with one minute and one second left in the third. This game is tied 2-2. And Troy Terry extends his goal-scoring streak to three consecutive games. He has points in six straight. And Anaheim is alive. Uh, Leo numbered us around our net on the tying goal. And then they got a two-on-one. I didn't see how, how that happened, obviously, and they made us pay. Breakdowns have cost the Sharks this year. That was another one of those breakdowns. The Sharks in the end of the game were put in a bad situation, having to deal with a six-on-five. They had also been on the kill previously. I think they were a bit gassed, and the Ducks found a way to get that game-tying goal. And ultimately for San Jose, it was not the way they wanted their night to end. But like I said earlier, getting three out of four points out of a back-to-back as you head into the break I do not have too much of a problem with that. The Sharks are consistently earning points. They're giving themselves a chance to win games. It's not the prettiest hockey we've ever seen, but at the same time, they give themselves a chance. That's my main takeaway. If they can continue to do this over the remaining 31 games of the season, I don't think you're going to have much to argue about. I think that it's going to be a tough ride to the finish for San Jose for sure. But again, if they play a tight game like they did last night and the game before against Seattle, they're going to continue to see themselves in games, earning points, and with a chance to win. Probably overtime games are going to be more and more in their future. Probably shootout games more and more in their future, but probably points more in their future as well. More from Logan Couture. Yeah, I thought we were the better team for a lot of the game, but uh, the third period, they uh, they kind of took over, and uh, they had a lot of looks. We, uh, you know, we looked tired at the end there. Um you know, we went down to 11 forwards pretty early. We're down to 5D for a bit. We're down to 10 forwards at one point. So no excuses, but on a back-to-back. And, you know, I'm just coming back. It's uh, definitely not easy on the guys. I was proud of the way that we were able to battle. Couple played great, and we got a point. Yeah, I mean, the other narrative in this game is that it's the Sharks not blowing the game. It's the second night of a back-to-back. They fell behind first. They were able to tie it up and get another goal from the uh, red-hot Mark Edward Vlasic to take a 2-1 lead, but trying to hold on to a 2-1 lead on the road when you are banged up, when you're losing guys, it's not going to be easy. So, you know, I don't have that much of an issue with the Sharks not being able to win the game. I would have loved if they had been able to win, but 
this isn't one of those heartbreaking ones where you just think, oh, the Sharks, you know, let this game get away from them. They didn't have the uh, right stuff. They didn't have the, no, that's not what we look at with this game. You have to have a reality check at some point. They were banged up. They were very much gassed at the end of that game. Anaheim was able to ride some of that emotion inside their own barn and found a way to break through and tie it up late and carried that momentum into the overtime and got the win. We've seen the Sharks do the same thing in their own building. It's not easy to do, but it's definitely something where you want to be at home. But again, the Sharks earning a point out of this one. I think that is something that you look at and say, hey, they did a good job to earn that point given the circumstances. And Logan pretty much acknowledged as much. It is, but uh, we've got points in six or seven, I believe. So um, we're playing good hockey. We're playing de- tight defensive hockey. Um, we're giving ourselves a, ch- to, a chance to win every single night. We're not cheating the game. and it's, uh, it's a lot more fun to play when you have a chance to win every night and you're not giving up a bunch of goals. The last two games have not been the prettiest or sexiest hockey but the Sharks earned three out of a four possible points, and I think that's the angle that Logan Couture is going to look at as this team goes into the break and you know try and carry that forward on the other side when they're back at it on the 14th hosting Winnipeg. They have the opportunity to be that much better of a team. They have the opportunity to be that much better in terms of their overall health, and if they do have Mikhail Granlin back, if they do have Mario Ferraro back, that's a Sharks team that looks that much more imposing, and Tomas Hurdle back as well. I mean, you're talking about this team being shorthanded, beat up, and on the second night of a back-to-back and still were able to earn points. I I can't complain about that when all is said and done. Logan also talked about the mentality that he wants the team to take into the break. Play like this, um, you know, it's not the most sexy hockey in the world. Um, We're not going to score five, six a night, but we can limit other teams to two or three and give ourselves a chance to win. And Like I said, winning hockey is a lot more fun than losing hockey. And I think if the guys remember that as they go into this break, it's probably going to make it that much more um, palatable to come back. Because oftentimes with bad teams, when you do have a little bit of a break like this, coming back can be a little bit daunting. But I think that the Sharks go into the break with a little bit of momentum, kind of seeing a bit more of the blueprint of what they can be, especially with the return of Logan Couture and Nico Sturm, and then hopefully a Mikhail Granlund, and as well as Mario Ferraro and Tomas Hurdle. Once they get back from the break, they will feel like they are that much more of a complete team. Now, trade talk is going to pick up there's no doubt about that but it would be nice if at one point of the season we could see the team that we expected to see as opposed to what it's been and so banged up over the course of uh the first 51 games of the year Cooch was also asked about william eklund lining up once again as a center you know this is one of the toughest positions to play in this game so i think he's done a really good job as a young kid who hasn't played uh, much center lately um tough position to be in i think he's looked good on face-offs Let's give her the puck on a stick. Uh, I thought he's looked good. Yeah, it's fun watching William Eklund develop. Uh, again, I've heard some people say that they're almost frustrated that he's not immediately a superstar. Development takes time. Development is not something that happens overnight. Also, when you are surrounded with not the highest level of talent and a long, young player, that makes it that much more difficult. But I still do think that the future is very, very bright for William Eklund. He looks more and more like a quality player to me, even if the production isn't always there because the production from this team across the board isn't really there. Let's go to David Quinn. He talked about those two late goals, the game tying and game winning from Anaheim. You know, the six on five goal, we didn't do a great job. Our low guy was too high. Uh, we didn't do a great job on their entries, so that was a little bit of a structure thing. And then, you know, as usually is the case on three on three, you turn it over and they go the other way and they made a hell of a play. So, you know, give them a lot of credit. 
We've seen David Quinn after many, many games this year. We know when he's upset. We know when he is unhappy uh, with his team's performance. That's not what I saw after David Quinn after last night's game. I think he thought that they got outworked in certain situations. And like you heard him say, giving credit to Anaheim. And now you look at a team that on his side that was on the second night of a back-to-back, -back, not rested like Anaheim was. And he probably realizes, yeah, they had a little bit more in the tank. They were able to do a little bit more in critical situations. But his team still earned a point. So while there is disappointment, I do think that David Quinn also acknowledges uh, part of that reality of why the Sharks uh, were not able to get the win when all was said and done. Quinn also was asked about Shakir Mukmadul, and here is his exchange in uh, just assessing his game and then giving a little bit more clarity. I'd sure uh, love to have him here, but that's a decision that we have to make as an organization. And, you know, regardless of whether he played well or not, what's best for his development is really the only thing that matters. What have you seen in that's kind of the totality of the three games that he's been? Just his poise, his decision making, uh, he's got a physicality to him. There's a lot to like about him. David Quinn also had one of his best answers uh, when talking about just what he's seen over the first 51 games of the year. I swear, the man has impeccable comedic timing, and uh, this was one of those examples. Jesus, I saw a lot. A couple 10-game losing streaks, some good hockey. Uh, we pretty much ran the gamut there in the first 51 games, but you know the one thing that uh, you feel good about right now is how we're playing now and our compete and... You know, not giving up a lot of goals and, you know, just overall playing better hockey. And I'm not going to tell you that the Sharks have come out clean on the other side after going through uh, the gamut, as he said it, in these first 51 games. But I think there is probably the sense that the Sharks have been able to survive everything that's been thrown at them throughout those first 51 games. And when they were out of that 12-game losing streak, it wasn't just one win and then go on another extended losing streak. It's been playing better. It's been looking like a better team. It's been playing better hockey. I don't think that that happens by accident. I think that's a concerted effort by the coaching staff, by the leadership core. Um, you know, just everyone from the top down within the organization has helped the Sharks get a better standing out there on the ice, and it's shown in recent play. Now, that doesn't mean that there aren't going to be more tough times ahead this year. I'm sure there's going to be a couple more uh, losing streaks. I don't expect them to be of the double-digit variety, but I'm, I'm confident they'll probably lose four or five in a row on a number of occasions here as we get to the end, but they are playing better hockey. They have a better understanding of what they need to do, and that wasn't a guarantee. When you have those types of losing streaks, when you have the type of difficulty that they have, when they feel like they've turned a corner and then things start backsliding again, you know that response was very, very quick. The Sharks won three in a row. They lost a game. They bounced right back with a win. And then they lose a game, but they were able to get a point out of this one. Like Those are the little things that are going to be more and more impactful as you get deeper and deeper into the year. Those are the learning moments, for lack of a better term. It's important. You know, you want to feel good about the way you play. And, uh, you know, I know the result wasn't what we wanted tonight, but I think overall we feel good about the way we've been playing. And that ability to feel good about the way that they've been playing is going to be important when they get back on the other side because, like I've said, it allows them to identify a blueprint. They can point to an area where they are good and what they can do to give themselves success. I think previously in the year, it was not as defined. It was a little bit more herky-jerky. It was a little bit more over the place. But, you know, what a shocker when you get Logan Couture and Nico Sturm out there together when you are you know, hopefully healthy on the other side of the break. It'll give the Sharks that much more of a chance to implement what they are trying to do. And, you know, obviously it takes time for them to, you know, learn each other's games. There was an incredible amount of turnover. And when you combine that turnover with the injuries and the rotating lineups, it certainly did not 
allow life to be easy for the San Jose Sharks, but it still is something that I think that they are figuring out and still have the opportunity to get better as we get deeper into the season. Quinn was also asked about a couple of unrestricted free agents after the game in Anthony Duclair and Mike Hoffman. Well, they're both smart players. Obviously, they're dangerous offensively. Um, they both had success in this league. They've been around a long time. And I'm sure we will see uh, if there's any trade interest in those guys as well who have been um, dangerous at times this year, but there has been some uh, inconsistency as well. But I am sure that that's something we'll get into later, like I've said, as we get deeper and deeper into the season and closer to the trade deadline. Uh, but for the next couple of weeks, we will have some content coming for you, even though there's not going to be a lot of action on the game front. We will still keep it coming here on the Sharks Audio Network. So stay tuned. Follow us at Sharks Audio Net on Twitter or X or whatever Elon's calling it these days as we will continue to pump out uh, stuff that's happening with the Sharks. I'm sure there's always going to be news going down. Tomas Hurdle is going to be doing his thing at the All-Star Game. We've also got the AHL All-Star Game happening here at TechCU Arena in San Jose. So uh, even if there are not games, there is always something happening with the San Jose Sharks. And uh, you can listen to Nick Nolenberger. You can check out some of the Barracuda podcasts you haven't heard before, like Cuda Confidential. And of course, uh, if you want to learn any more about the uh, Sharks this year, check out Sharks Spotlight Player Profile on the Sharks Hockey Digest podcast, where you can hear any uh, number of podcasts about the different guys who populate this year's team. If you've been just focused in on the game to game, maybe now you can learn a little bit more about their background. Dan Rusnowski does a great job of uh, teaching you about what these guys have been through and doing some great interviews with them. So we keep it rolling on the Sharks Audio Network. We are just about out of time, however, for the San Jose Sharks. I'm Ted Ramey signing off. You've been listening to the San Jose Sharks Morning Tide, brought to you by Coors Light on the Sharks Audio Network. Second unit coming on, Duclair, Hoffman, McDonald, and Cunnan, along with Muka Madulman. Muka Madulman shoots, save made, rebounded, but fire to the net, save, where is it? It's in, they score! The San Jose Sharks get the rebound, the reason why that puck went in is because Muka Madulman didn't waste any time getting into the net.